Luke chapter 4, and we started here last week dealing with the topic of living by Bible principle. Luke chapter 4. And uh, we're just going to look at these verses one more time just to give us, again, a launching off point. I'm going to give a quick review of some things that will launch into the, the lesson for tonight. But uh, we find in Luke chapter number 4 that uh, Jesus had been led into the wilderness. And by the way, uh, it's interesting to note that there are times that God puts us in certain places where maybe we do not uh, fully understand that God put us there. There are times that God puts us in, in situations, and there's no doubt that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. The Bible says in verse number 2, "...being forty days tempted of the devil, and in those days he did eat nothing. And when they were ended, he afterward hungered. And the devil said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, command this stone that it be made bread." Jesus answering, answered say, him, saying, "...it is written that man shall not live by bread alone." but by every word of God. And we're not going to take time to read through the entire passage tonight, because we did last week. But I want you to understand that uh, Jesus uh, used Bible principles to live his life by. And uh, he wasn't going to be swayed or deterred by the devil himself, even under his great temptation. He had established these truths and principles in his own life. And uh, it's easy for us in hindsight to say, well, Brother Greg, he was, he was God. He was all man, but he was also all God. And it was easier for him to do that because he was God. But the Bible says that he became man and was in all points tempted like as we are and yet without sin. He endured the same temptations, the same desires, the same things that you and I would face if Satan came to us. And yet he was able to withstand those things because he lived his life based on not how he felt, or what he was allowed to do, or the circumstances that surrounded the, the, the particular th- event that was taking place. But he had purposed to uh, live his life by Bible principle. I like what was said of Daniel, if you remember the story of Daniel, when it came time uh, for him to go to the king's court and to eat of the king's meat and be uh, involved in the things that the king wanted. I believe it was in Daniel chapter 1 and verse number 8. The Bible teaches that Daniel purposed in his heart not to defile himself with the king's meat. He had already made the decision. And that's where the benefit of studying Scripture and reading Scripture and knowing Bible principle ahead of time is helpful in our life. If we want to live a victorious Christian life, uh, to have these principles already nailed down. We ought not wait until we're in the middle of temptation to make our decision of right or wrong. We ought to already decide ahead of time by Bible principle, this is what I'm going to live my life by. And it sure takes a lot of the... The stress, if you will, out of Satan uh, coming and tempting us and trying to get us to do things. We made four statements that I think are very important to the study that we need to keep clear last week. First of all, every Christian is involved in spiritual war every day. Every Christian is involved in a spiritual war every single day. Satan is out trying to destroy us, and uh, we are involved in spiritual warfare. We don't study enough about that or know as much about that as I think we ought to. But it's a very real thing. And uh, we find in um, the second statement, every day we either experience triumph or defeat in this spiritual warfare. We're either going to, def- to experience uh, victory or defeat in this warfare that we battle every single day. And then number three, God desires for us to have the victory in our lives every single day. And this spiritual war that we have to struggle in and the decisions we have to make every day of our lives, and it's not something we can do one time and then forget about it, Every single day we're struggling and fighting in this, 
It's God's desire that we win every single day. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Uh, I believe that God's desire is that you and I live on the mountaintops of experiences. Uh, I don't think we always get to be there. There are sometimes he has to lead us in the valley for our sake and for his glory. Uh, but I think his, his overall overwhelming desire, if we were all that we should be, would be for us to live on a mountaintop uh, of experience. So he desires for us to have victory in our lives. And then the fourth statement we said, we can only be victorious as we know and live by Bible principle. We can only be victorious as we know and live by Bible principle. We spent a little bit of time last week defining what a biblical principle is, uh, that it is an unchanging rule based on the character of God by which we govern our lives. An unchanging rule based on the character of God. And by the way, God never goes against His character. Uh, if you find something in Scripture and it goes against the nature of God or the character of God, you can mark it down. You've misinterpreted that Scripture because He never contradicts Himself. And uh, so that's a, an underlying rule. We spent some time dealing with the types of principles. You have explicit principles that are black and white in Scripture. You have some that are implied. You have some that are inferred. And you can still be dogmatic. You can still be uh, bold and stand and anchor your soul even on the implied and the inferred principles of Scripture. You just got to make sure in those cases that they agree with all other Scripture. Uh, you don't ever take one Scripture out of context and build a principle on it. Um, we've got to make sure that uh, Scripture is in agreement with other Scripture. And then we learned last week that principles are not grievous. These are not things that God has put into our lives to stifle our fun or our contentment or our joy. These are not things that are supposed to be hardships to us. These are supposed to be things that uh, are helpful to us, that are for our good, that bring joy to us and allow us to have great peace. And that's kind of where we left off with uh, last week. And then this week we're going to deal with the topic of establishing these Bible principles. Last week we identified them, uh, what, what these Bible principles were, and then we're going to work on establishing principles. And it's one thing for a preacher or a Sunday school teacher to get up and to give you Bible principles, and there's nothing wrong with that, and that's well and good. But at some point we need to learn, we need to get kind of off the milk of the Word, if you will, and start learning how to interpret and identify and understand Bible principles for ourselves. We need to learn to start feeding ourselves spiritually. Um, I'll tell you what, if you, if you were relying as a Christian on being fed just every Sunday and every Wednesday, you'd starve to death. Uh, we need to do it every day. And so I want to encourage you to develop a Bible study habit uh, where you sp- sit down and you begin to uh, learn about these principles and look for these principles in Scripture. If you will, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, and the very last verse in the chapter. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 58. Very well-known passage of Scripture. This was my dad's life verse. Uh, a portion of this is on his uh, tombstone in the cemetery where he is. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, and always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. This isn't the only verse we find in Scripture dealing with the idea or the topic that we are not to be moved or we're not to be swayed with every wind of doctrine. We're to be steadfast and we're to be unmovable. We spent some time, uh, I think it was last Wednesday night, dealing with the topic of uh, studying to rightly divide the word of truth. The idea of cutting it straight 
and making sure that we uh, we are focused on the goal, that it's a straight line, a straight uh, a furrow that we've plowed and uh, that we uh, that we uh, remain steadfast in these things. That's why I believe it's important we understand our heritage, by the way. If we don't know where historically we've stood on the word of God, it's going to give us a very difficult time uh, holding a straight line to it. And uh, so we take God's word and we we measure everything by it. And we say, OK, I'm going to live my life not by what I'm allowed to do, but by the principles and truths of the Word of God. And that is my guideline, that is my measuring stick. In fact, Paul condemns us for uh, measuring ourselves by ourselves, doesn't he? We ought not to ever compare ourselves to somebody else and say, well, I'm doing pretty good because if you look at this guy over here, uh, he's not doing so good. The rule is never uh, someone else. Uh, The rule is the Word of God. The rule is not what society allows. The rule is not what our government allows. The rule is not the law of the land. But the rule is God's Word. As Baptists, we believe it is our sole authority of faith and practice. Amen. And that that ought to be our our sole authority. If that's going to be it, then we've got to stay with it. And we've got to be steadfast. And we've got to be unmovable in it. doesn't mean we have to be mean-spirited in it. I was uh, reading an article this week by a preacher who believed that if a preacher didn't get up and make people uh, upset or mad in his preaching, then he didn't do a good job preaching the Word of God. And I don't believe that at all. I believe there's plenty of things in Scripture that will exalt us and edify us and build us up and strengthen us. There are times that we are made mad or upset by things we see in Scripture because it rubs our conscience the wrong way, doesn't it? It pricks our hearts. But that's uh, there's so much more to it than that. Living our life by Bible principle. And so we find in 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight that we're to be steadfast and we're not to move on it. If these principles are principles based on the character of God and they are unchanging as God is unchanging, then we should not have to worry about our life being one thing one day and another thing the next day. And there ought to be consistency in our life. Uh, there ought not to be a great... Uh, Huge mountaintop experience and then great valleys and great mountaintop experience and great valleys. I know there'll be some ups and downs along the way, but there ought to be a consistency in our walk with God and our lifestyle. So let's look at some things here about how we come up with Bible principles. How do we establish these Bible principles? And the first, uh, the first thing I'm going to give you is so simple that you're going to be like, oh, Brother Greg, we knew that, okay? But we have to build everything else on this. If you're going to live your life by Bible principle, number one, you must read it. You must read it. And I know some people of your, some of you are sitting there thinking, well, that goes without saying. I know that. But it's amazing how many people that claim to name the name of Christ, that know Christ is their Savior, when you survey them and ask them, do you read your Bible every day? Do you have time every day where you read Scripture? Uh, it's amazing how many of them will tell you, well, I do most of the time or some of the time. And it's amazing how many Christians that sit in the pews of our churches Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night who don't read their Bible on a regular basis. And then they wonder why they can't live their life by Bible principle. By the way, let me just stop the message here for a minute. I do need to make a correction. Uh, I've made a statement the last several weeks in some of our services that I need to correct because I went out to lunch with Brother Bob McCarty today. And uh, I've made the statement that uh, you'd have to be blind not to see the situation our world is in. And he made sure that I knew that even if you're blind, you can still see the situation our world is in. And he made sure of that. And when I talk about reading Scripture, I thought of him and I thought of that because uh, Brother Bob has to now listen to Scripture. 
and uh, if he's going to get that. And so these are things that, again, if we're going to come by Bible principle, we have to know these things and do these things. Uh, so we must read Scripture. And then as we go to Scripture, uh, let's not go to it with the idea that we're going to try to check off our reading list. We're not trying to get volume here, okay? When it comes to finding Bible principle, it's not about how many verses we can read or how fast we can get through a book. I think we ought to soak in God's Word. We ought to meditate in God's Word. We ought to allow God's Word to saturate our hearts and our lives. And we live in such an instant society, don't we? Everything is instant. We have drive through everything. Um, I read several years ago they actually have a drive, drive-in church. They've, some church out west bought a drive-in movie theater. You don't even have to get out of your car. You just pull up, they put it up on the big screen, you put the little speaker on your car, and you go to church there. And to me, that's, that's absurd. We live in a fast-paced society. Everything is fast. Microwave. Let's get the dinner out in three minutes and instant rice and instant grits. Whoever came up with instant grits ought to be shot. And, uh, they come up with all these things that are instant and we get wrapped up in this and we, it becomes a lifestyle for us. And if we're not careful, it starts to translate into our Christian life. Let's not rush into the presence of God and then rush out of the presence of God. Let's spend time lingering with God. I've got two, I've got three kids, two of them that are here in town with me. One of them's down in college this year in, in Trinity Baptist College. I love it when they're with me, the time that they spend with me. Now, my older daughter, my older middle daughter here, she likes to go into her, she calls it her cocoon. She said, Dad, this is my cocoon. That means her bedroom. And she likes to be back there. And I like it. There's sometimes I'll call her and I'll say, Ray, come here. And she'll come in and she'll be like, what? I said, just come sit here in the living room with this. Well, why, Dad? Because I just want to be with my kids. Y'all know what I'm talking about, don't you? Do you think God is any different? How do you think he feels when we rush into our five minute or our 10 minute or 15 minute devotion time? And then we say, okay, God, I've got to go on about my day. We need to learn to linger in God's word. I have a friend of mine, Wayne Corfman. I've mentioned him a few times, but he eats two meals a day, breakfast and lunch. Most time he just eats something real light for lunch. And then he doesn't eat supper. When he goes home at night, he says, brother Greg, I don't eat supper. He said, I just graze. And all night long, from the time he gets home, he'll just pick up a few finger foods and he'll eat something. He'll be reading Scripture. He'll read his Bible for a while and he'll uh, look over. Maybe there'll be something on the counter. He'll walk over and grab something else and graze on that for a little bit. And then a little while later, he'll graze on something else. And he doesn't eat a meal at night. And I thought, man, that's the way we ought to be with God's Word. What a graze on it. Well, just say, you know what, I want to, I want to think that thing through right there. I want to let that thing settle into me. Now I want to go get some more of that and bring it in. I want to just meditate on that and think on it. There's a, a Christian grace that's taught in Scripture. We find it in at least two different times in Scripture. We find it in Joshua chapter 1 and verse number 8 where it says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. We find it also in Psalm 1 where the Bible says uh, about the fact that uh, the Word of God, that, that it ought to be the delight of our hearts. And the Bible says that this blessed man is one that in the law of the Lord and in this law doth he meditate day and night. We all know about praying. We all know about reading our Bibles. We hear about that from the time we're kids in Sunday school that we ought to pray and read our Bibles. We ought to pray and read our Bibles. And we ought to pray and read our Bibles. If we don't have that down, we're not going to do the meditation part of it. 
But you know, there's another thing of Scripture that's given, and that is we ought to meditate on God's Word. The idea of meditating is to take a truth and to just mull it over in our hearts and in our minds. And allow that truth to just start sinking into our hearts. It's amazing. The, the Bible says that the Word of God is quick. It doesn't mean that it's fast. The word quick was an old English word that meant alive. It was living. The Word of God is quick. It's alive. It's powerful, the Bible says. And sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And we ought to let it do its work in us. We ought to sit back and say, God, I want your word to pierce my heart. I want it to divide my son, my spirit asunder uh, from soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow. And I want it to be a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of my heart. So we begin to develop Bible principles, first of all, by reading Scripture. Now, what do we look for when we read Scripture? We know we're not supposed to rush in. We're just not supposed to just check off a box on our Bible reading schedule just to get through Scripture. I don't have a problem if you have a time to do that so you can get through the Bible in a year. But don't make that your Bible devotion time. You won't get much out of that. The, the enrichment, the nourishment is just going to go in and out. You're not going to get it. Have a time set aside where you sit down with the Word of God and you begin to study it for what it is. What do we do when we come to God's Word? Well, first of all, I think one of the great things that we can do is to begin looking for God in Scripture. What does this verse tell me about God? Brother... Uh, uh, Brother Bob and I were at lunch together today and uh, we had a great time of discussion. I enjoy discussing the Word of God with people and different things. And uh, it encourages us, doesn't it? It strengthens us many times. And uh, the idea that uh, when we come to the Word of God that we, we focus on who God is and the, the attributes of God. What does this tell me about God? What does it tell me about His character? Because we believe as Baptists that we have all of the revelation that God's ever going to give us regarding doctrine and truth. Amen? We have it in His book. Amen? Some of you didn't say that too strongly. We do have all of the doctrine and all the revelation that God wants us to have contained in this book. It is ended. There's no new revelation given. And by the way, let me help you with something. There's a lot of preachers and charlatans and false witnesses out there that will tell you that they have a word of knowledge or they have something else out here that God spoke to them and it's, con- it's, con- it's a different from Scripture or contradicts Scripture in, at the least. And, and mark it down, it's no new revelation. God ended His revelation at the end of this book and said, I've put everything I want in here. Don't add to it. Don't take away from it. We have all the revelation that He's going to give us. But when it comes to knowing and understanding who God is, there's no end to it. We will always be growing in our view of God because God is inexhaustible. And so when it comes to looking at Scripture and finding out who God is, what does it tell us about Him? When the Bible talks about um, God going to Jonah and telling him, go to Nineveh and tell him that in three days they're going to be destroyed. That tells us He's a God of judgment, right? And justice. He's not going to tolerate sin and the iniquity and the wickedness. No, or Jonah goes and he runs away from God, doesn't he? And God sends a storm. God is a God of chastening of His own children. Throws him overboard. But God provided a whale to swallow him up. God's a merciful God. God's a God of second chances as He allows Jonah to be spit up on the land and make the three-day journey in one day. He gets to Nineveh and he preaches. And the greatest revival in history took place in Nineveh. Do you know that? 
The greatest recorded revival ever in the history of mankind took place at Nineveh from a disobedient servant of God. The entire city, including the king, got saved, repented. And then we find something else about God in that story, don't we? He's a merciful God because He spares the city. And then Jonah goes out and pouts about it, doesn't he? And God's a loving God because He said, Jonah, I love you too. We learn a lot about God as we read these things. So we could read the story of Jonah and we could get out of it, boy, this great story, and boy, that's a neat story. I'll keep it in the back of my mind. But what did it tell us about God? We learn a lot about God in that story, don't we? We learn a lot about His attributes of mercy and grace and and long-suffering and judgment and chastening. And there's so many things in there that's exciting to us to learn about God. So when we come to the Scripture to read it and look for Bible principles, we ought to be looking at the God of the Lord. What does it tell us about His character? We need to know this because when we go to develop the principle, it cannot contradict God's character. It cannot and must not do that. So how do we find these principles? How do we find these principles? I'm going to give you a couple practical things, and then we're going to look at some biblical ways to come up with these things. But some things that I think will be a help to you. You don't have to do all these. These are just some things that when I was dealing with this topic years ago in my life, they were a help to me. Uh, first of all, you ought to keep some kind of a written record, some kind of a notebook, because as you find it in Scripture, you'll want to write it down, write a reference next to it as to why you have this principle in your life, why you're living it this way. You need to be able to point to Scripture as to why you do this, not to what you were taught, not to what mom and dad think you ought to do. We need to be able to say, this is why I'm living this way, and it comes from God's Word. Amen. And so, if your brain is like mine and it leaks, keep a notebook handy and write these principles down. Number two, I have a certain time separate from your devotional time that you spend studying God's Word. Separate from your devotional time. Plan a time different than that. There's nothing wrong with your devotional time. Have your devotional guide. We use our daily bread back here. Nothing wrong with those things. They're helpful. They're beneficial. They're encouraging. They help you get the day started off right. But use a time other than that to study deeply and try to find these Bible principles. Number three, uh, put yourself in a place where you can avoid distractions. We live in a distraction-filled world today. Turn the cell phone off. Put it in the other room. Don't be out at the, the noisiest place of the house. Don't have the radio playing. Spend time with God. Take your attention and say, God, you alone have it for these next however many minutes or hours or whatever it takes. And avoid the distractions. We've already said keep a notebook, but at number four I had write down the principles you find and be sure to include the reference. Be sure to include the reference. All right, number five. Always check your principle with the rest of Scripture. Always check your principle with the rest of Scripture. Don't be guilty of pulling a verse out of context. Somebody said one time, you can take a verse of Scripture somewhere in the Bible and prove anything you want to prove. But you're taking it out of context. I know people have heard this before, but there is a verse in the Bible that says uh, Judas went and hanged himself. That doesn't mean that every person ought to go and hang themselves. There's another verse that says, go and do thou likewise. That doesn't mean we ought to go and do what Judas did. And there's another verse that says, what thou doest, do quickly. And if we were to take those three verses on their own, it would cause us to believe something that is contrary to Scripture, wouldn't it? So we've got to make sure that our principle is not based on a single verse or a single passage, but that it is in agreement with the rest of Scripture. 
I cannot emphasize this enough. God will not contradict his character. So we must understand these principles. All right, number six, work at memorizing the verse that is associated with the principle. Now, you don't have to do this, but it's a help. If the Bible says that we're to be ready to give an answer to every man of the reason of the hope that is within us. And we ought to be well prepared. The Bible teaches that we're to be studying to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. If somebody asks you, why do you believe that? Why do you live that way? You ought to be able to give an answer to them. And the best way I know to do that is to memorize the verse. Memorize the verse. Say, you know, the Bible says this. And maybe you don't get quite word for word every part of it, but you ought to be well enough familiar with it that you can say, this is what the verse says. And say, this is the principle that I live by. All right. Number seven, discuss these principles that you've learned with other Christian friends. These are helpful things. These are not things you have to do. But discuss the principles that you learn with other Christian friends. They help solidify them and they give accountability. They give accountability. Because I don't know about you, but there have been times that I've seen something in Scripture and I've made a quick decision. I've said, Lord, I'm doing that. I'm putting that into practice in my life. And I held with it for a week or maybe two weeks and then it got hard. Anybody else done that before? I did that a lot as a teenager. There's even times I've caught myself as an adult doing that. And I find something that gets hard. And next thing I know, I've, I've, I've kind of said, yeah, that got a little hard, Lord. I'm, going to, I'm not going to put that part in my life right now. And, and we push it aside. When we share it with other brothers and sisters in Christ, we gain strength from that. We gain accountability with that. And it helps to encourage us, it helps to edify us to stay true to that principle. It it is in the Bible. It's something that God wants for our lives. And so we ought to live our life by it. So share it with another brother or sister in Christ, trusted Christian friends. All right, number eight, keep a dictionary handy. Uh, I believe in the King James Version Bible being the preserved Word of God for the English-speaking people. There are some words in here that I struggle with from time to time. And people will say, well, that's a good reason not to read the King James Version. No, that's a good reason to have a dictionary on the table. Amen? We are, Once again, we are in an instant gratification society. We are in a lazy society today. My kids have no idea what it is when they can't figure out a word and they come to me and they say, Dad, what does this mean? And I say, go look it up. What they think that means is Google it on their cell phone. <laughs> you all remember what it was like when you were a kid. Mom and Dad said, go look it up. You had to go to the shelf and find one of the 89 volumes of encyclopedias on the shelf and try to find the right letter. And then if you didn't know how to spell the word, Dad, how do you spell this word? Look it up. Well, it's alphabetical in the dictionary. If I don't know how to spell it, how do I know how to look it up? We've become a lazy generation. But when it comes to studying Scripture, keep a, bio, keep a dictionary handy. And if you don't understand a word, look it up. There's enough things online. If you're well-versed in using a cell phone, hey, it's a tool that God's provided. It's faster. Use it. Look up the word. See what it means. Make sure we fully understand the verse. Uh, number nine. Sometimes the principle will be in plain sight, but you need to understand that sometimes you will need to dig a little bit to find it. Sometimes you will need to dig a little bit to find it. And again, that comes back to just spending time on it, mulling it over, meditating on it. Number, what are we on? Number 10. Be patient, but persistent. Be patient, but persistent. And then the last one that I'm going to give you in the practical area of developing biblical principles is this. 
develop a way to incorporate the principle into everyday life. Develop a way to incorporate the principle into everyday life. This seems to be probably one of the weaknesses in most of our lives. It's not that we don't read the Bible in most cases. It's not that we don't understand the Bible in most cases. In most cases, it's that we don't know how to integrate it into our life. So I'm going to give you something that might be a help to you. It was a great help to me, and I'll share it with you, and hopefully it'll be a help, and then we'll look at some examples of this. I found that when I came across a principle of Scripture, that I, if I would take that principle and I would form it into a question that I can ask, it helped me to apply it to my life. Let me give you an illustration of that. Uh, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I'm going to give you several of these. We're going to rapid fire these. I've got, oh, ten minutes, and I've got a bunch of these to go through. If we don't get done, hey, we've got next Sunday night. Oh, wait, no. We won't be here next Sunday night because the rapture is supposed to happen Saturday, right? Y'all, did you all hear about that? The rapture? Somebody said it's supposed to happen Saturday. So if we're still here Sunday night, uh, then we'll pick up there, okay? But until then, we'll keep pressing on. I'm not holding my breath, by the way. <laughs> All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let's look at this together real quick. In uh, verse number 12, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 12. Paul writes this. He says, All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. Now, we're going to read the second half of the verse here in just a minute. But let's just take that first part of the verse for just a moment. Paul is dealing in the first part of this verse with the sole liberty that you and I have in the Lord Jesus Christ. We are no longer under the law of the Old Testament. We're now under grace in the New Testament. Amen? And uh, that we now are uh, not obligated to keep the law, to keep from being put to death for rebelling against our parents. Amen, children, to that. Or having a bad attitude. We're now under grace. And Paul deals with that topic in in Romans chapter 5 and Romans chapter 6 because there was some criticism. People said, well, if you're under grace then and these things are lawful for you to eat unclean meats and to not keep all the laws, the clean clean laws of the Old Testament that were given, and you're no longer bound under those laws anymore, then doesn't that provide a license for you to sin? And of course, Paul addresses that in Romans chapter 6. As he says, what shall we say then? Shall we that continue in sin that grace may abound? He said, God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? So even though we're under grace, we've crucified ourselves in Christ, and uh, the old nature is crucified with Christ, we've risen to walk in newness of life, and the old ways are put away, the old nature is put away, and all things are become new, and now we pursue after the, the spiritual man or the inner man, as Paul speaks of. And so we find that he addresses that in the first part of this verse. All things are lawful to me. Am I allowed to eat meats that are sacrificed to idols? I can. I'm not going to die and go to hell if I ate meat sacrificed to idols, which was a big deal in that day. There were people that came and said, oh, he's eating meat sacrificed to idols. He's, he's, got a, he's, going, he's going to be in real deep trouble here. And Paul said, wait a minute, I've got liberty. Remember Peter and the vision that he had of the uh, unclean uh, meats and things that came down from heaven in the sheet. And Jesus said, rise up and eat. And he said, well, nay, Lord, these are unclean. And what did Jesus? What did God tell him? He said, don't call what I made unclean. Rise up and eat. We're no longer under the law. We're under grace. So would we agree that everything would be lawful for us in the aspect of we're not losing our salvation over it? 
We're not, we're not going to, there's nothing we can do that's going to keep us from going to heaven if we put our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Is there any sin that you can think of that would cause God to say, you're no longer my child? Not one. All things are lawful from that aspect and that standpoint. But lest we think that we have license to sin, Paul says, but all things are not expedient. This word expedient is a very interesting word. We, most, we mostly know what it is. We still use it from time to time in the day and age that we live. But in that time, it was a sports term. It was an athletic term. And it gave the idea or the concept of having the home court or the home field advantage. And um, we all have known sports teams over the years that uh, felt like they had a great home field advantage. Everybody fights for the home field advantage in playoffs. I remember for years the Green Bay Packers uh, used their home field advantage of cold weather to just demolish their teams that they played because it Cold as it was, as hard as you hit, it hurt worse. And they were used to it. The other teams were not. And so they always wanted to play on their home field. And the idea that Paul is getting to here is that we put ourselves in a position by this principle that it gives us the best possible chance to gain victory in that area of our life. In other words, we've put ourselves on the home court advantage of the Christian life. So we read this principle. We see that There's a principle here that we ought to have only expedient things involved with our life. So one of the ways I integrate this in my life that might be a help to you is to put it in the form of questions. So whenever I have a decision to make or something comes along uh, that's an opportunity for me to get involved in, I ask this question. Is it expedient? Now, I know that it's lawful. We know that from Scripture, right? But just because it's lawful, does that mean that I need to be a part of it and be, a, be involved in it? Maybe, maybe not. What if it's not expedient? What if it does not give me the home field or the home court advantage in my Christian life to stand strong and firm on the principles of the Word of God? What if it puts me in a compromising situation? I went to the deacons tonight uh, several months ago. Uh, for no reason, I've never subscribed to it, but I started getting Sports Illustrated in the mailbox with my name on it. Somebody subscribed me to it, I guess, somehow. I've tried to call and cancel it. They don't have a record of it, but I get it every month. And I told the deacons, I said, guys, I'm telling you right now, because if it ever happens, I'm leaving it in the mailbox until somebody else gets it. But if that swimsuit edition comes in that mailbox, somebody else is going to have to throw it away. I don't even want to touch it. I don't even want to go to the mailbox. Because it's not, is it lawful? Absolutely. I could go get it and throw it in the dumpster myself, couldn't I? Could do that. Is it expedient? Absolutely not. Is it giving me the best chance to be victorious in my Christian life? Absolutely not. Put yourselves in points of accountability. So we begin to have these Bible principles. Let's look at another one. Uh, Look at the second half of the verse here because we'll find another one here. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 12, All things are lawful to me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Alright, so we've seen in the first half of the verse how we apply that verse. We know about the expediency, and so we ask the question, is it expedient? Now we're looking at the second half of the verse. Somebody help me with this. What would be the principle here in the second part of this verse? Not only expediency, but what else? What could we say this principle is? Again, I want you to think. I want you to think tonight. Because I don't want to just be giving you Bible principles. I want you to learn how to get these Bible principles out of Scripture. 
If the first one was expediency, what do we find in the second half of the verse? All things are lawful to me, but I will not what? What is it? Brother Larry? Let it control me or be brought under the power of it. So I shouldn't let things control me. What's the application question that we could ask? Will this bring me under its power? Or will this control me? We've just applied that to our life by a simple question. We look at what it is that we're getting ready to involve ourselves in, and we, before we get involved in it, we say, is it going to ensnare me? Is it going to bring me under its control? Is it going to bring me under its power? Can I ask you this question tonight? Are there things that are not necessarily sinful that can bring us under their power? Oh, yes, there is. Back in the late 80s, TV Guide, of all people, did a survey. Uh, I think it was about 100,000 homes, if I remember right. I'll have to double-check that number for you. It was a large number of homes in America. And said, for a million dollars, would you give up watching TV? Not forever, but for one year. I think it was about 20 or 30% said, yes, for a million dollars, we'd give it up for a year. The vast majority said, not even for a million dollars would I give it up for one year. And tell me it doesn't have control. What's another thing that might gain control over us? <laughs> well, we don't go anywhere without it, do we? And I'll stay, we stay connected, don't we? Facebook. Can Facebook get a hold on us? It can. doesn't have to, but it can. <laughs> I'm not nitpicking tonight. We can talk about things. My, my hindrance, food. <laughs> can food get a hold on you? I think it can. I think it can. And the, the Bible principle is, let's gain victory in these things. Let's gain victory in these things. Let's do what we can to ask these questions and apply them to our lives. There may be some things that are not sinful, but they may put us under their power. Why are we, to be not, why are we not to be controlled by anything else? What are we supposed to be controlled by? The Holy Spirit. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, making melody in your hearts to the Lord. And so we find these Bible principles. All right, let's look at another one real quick. We've got a few minutes left. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We're already in 1 Corinthians. Let's move over a few. And these are just some that I found that are easy for us to start with and learn uh, and get out of Scripture. But important for us to learn how to develop these, okay, and put them into practice in our lives. Again, knowing them is one thing. Doing them is a whole thing, another thing entirely. For us to put them and integrate them into our lives. And so our, our big focus tonight is how we develop these and apply them to our lives. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 23. Let's take a look at that one real quick. All things are lawful for me. Boy, we've heard that phrase before, haven't we? So we don't need to reestablish that. But all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me. But all things, what are the next two words? What are they? Edify not. Okay, so what would our Bible principle here be? We're getting the hang of this pretty quickly now. 
We ought to edify in all things that we do, right? What does the word edify mean? I think Miss Sandy gave us this one last time. What is it? To build up. To build up. To encourage. To strengthen. To undergird. Alright? So, what I'm getting ready to participate in, whether it be what I'm saying, what I'm doing, my attitude, the things that, that are happening around me, how do I apply that Bible principle in my life? We ask the question, does... Whatever it is that I'm getting ready to do, does it, what is it? Edify. Very good. Very good. So you put it in the form of a question. And it's not going to be very long before you're going to have a whole list of questions. When you go to make a decision, it's going to take you four hours to go through your list of questions. And, you know, we laugh at that and joke about that. But at some point, these things will become so habitual in your life that it will happen naturally. Because you've done it over and over again. This is an established way that I live my life. I want to edify in everything that I do. Do I always succeed at it? No. I don't want to be brought under the power of anything in my life. Do I always succeed at it? No. But I'm going to strive for it. I want to make sure that everything that I do is going to give me that home field or home court advantage i want it to be expedient in my life do i always succeed at that no but it ought to be what we're pressing for it ought to be the thing that's laid out before us that we say there's the principle i'm pursuing after it i may not always live up to the standard but that's when god's word brings us back in line with it doesn't it that's when we say lord i messed up there but i'm going to do better tomorrow on that We could go on through. We're not going to take time to go through all these. We'll go through a few more next week. And then I want to give you areas of application in our life. And then we'll be done with the study. Learning how to develop these Bible principles. How to integrate them into our life. And then what areas of our life. And we'll deal with that next week. What areas of our life should these principles be applied in. And we'll deal with that next week. Let's stand together. We'll be dismissed in a word of prayer. Father, we pray that you'll bless the teaching of this. Lord, vital truth, I believe. Because, Lord, we live in a day and age where so many false teachers in our churches and so many lost and those of the world are pressuring and pushing for us to lay the Bible aside and talking with Brother Bob today to hear of one that said we really ought to focus more on a relationship with Jesus than really what the Bible says. Lord, we can't separate the two. We must follow according to Scripture. If we're going to walk with you and our relationship with you is going to be right, we must follow your word. And so, Father, help us as we go through this week to begin looking specifically for Bible principles. And then having found them, to find a way to integrate them into our lives. To put them into practice. And Lord, we may not always succeed at it. We understand that. We still are human by nature. And while we pursue after the things of the Lord, Lord, there's many times we understand that we're going to fail. I pray that you'd help us to dust ourselves off and pick up and go on again and push for that principle once again in our lives. Lord, we want to live our lives by Bible principle and not by what we're allowed to do. That we can glorify you, that we can please you in everything that we say and everything that we do. Dismiss us now with your blessings. Bring us back again safe this week on Wednesday night. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. God bless you. Dismissed.